Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Amen. Can we give a hand clap to Jesus? God, we worship you today. We thank you, Lord, that we can come into this place together, God, in one mind and one accord, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. How's everybody doing tonight? (laughs) The weather is just phenomenal outside. Amen. Well, first and foremost, um, I want to give honor where honor's due, and I want to say thank you to Pastor and Sister Valerie and Brother Roberts for allowing me this opportunity to speak to you all tonight. To say that we're blessed with incredible leadership at Living Hope would be an understatement. Can we give our ha- uh, hand clap to our leaders, Brother Roberts, Pastor and Sister Valerie? So I'm so honored that you guys would have me come up here and speak tonight. Thank you so much. So I'm going to jump right in. And the text that I'll be reading from tonight is Genesis 50. And to give a little bit of context, this is the story of Joseph. And at this point in the story, Joseph's father, Jacob, has just passed away. And Joseph's father, uh, brothers, the one who was, sorry, the one who betrayed him, are worried about how Joseph will treat them now that their father's gone. So if you have it, say amen. Oh, wait, I didn't even tell you a verse. <laughs> We're going to start at verse 15. <laughs> so somebody lied because I heard amen. Anyways, <laughs> and if you don't have your Bible, it's up on the screen. Um, starting in verse 15, it says, And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and, thy sin, and their sin. For they did unto thee evil, and now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? And verse 20 says, But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now therefore, fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. So just for a few moments tonight, I want to teach on just the story of Joseph and some points that I picked out that I think we could all take from. So if we could lay our Bibles down. And before we get started, I just want to pray over this word. And let's ask that God would open our hearts and open our minds to receive from him tonight. In Jesus' name, right now, God, I plead your blood over this word that you've given me tonight. I pray right now that you would open our minds, God, open our hearts to receive what you want us to receive tonight. I pray, God, that as your spirit's already in this place, Lord, let it flow, God, from our head down to our feet, God, from the beginning of the service to the end. And I thank you in advance for what you're going to do tonight. I give you praise. I give you honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all can be seated. So going back to our text tonight. The life of Joseph is one of the most fascinating stories in the Bible, in my opinion. Although his story is a very exciting one for us to read, considering we know the ending, Joseph was pretty unfortunate on in life, or early on in life. 
hated by his brothers, sold into slavery, falsely accused, and then imprisoned for a crime he did not commit. And it all started with a coat. Jacob, Joseph's father, favored Joseph far above the rest of his sons because Joseph was the son of his old age. Because Jacob thought so highly of Joseph, he gifted him a beautiful coat of many colors. Seeing this, Joseph's brothers looked down on him with hate in their hearts. And it even says here in Genesis 37 and 4 that they could not speak peaceably unto him. Not long after the coat incident, Joseph started having dreams Dreams given to him by God, prophesying of how one day he will rise above the rest of his brothers in some capacity. And to make matters not much better for Joseph's already rocky relationship with his brothers, he began sharing these dreams with them. Now, I don't believe that Joseph had any ill intentions when he shared his dreams with his brothers. I think he was just excited. And you would think a safe place to do that would be with your own brothers and sisters. And a small lesson I'd pick out here is that we need to be aware of dream killers. Some people will discourage you from your dream simply because they don't feature well in it. Some are happy for you to be successful as long as you don't do better than them. It can even be those closest to you as we see in this story. This is why we must be careful about who you share your dreams and visions with. When Joseph had his dreams, there, was an, there wasn't an account of him receiving instruction from God to share his dreams with his brothers and his father like he did. Like I said, he must have shared them out of excitement. But this is why it's so important for us to ask God to give us the ability to discern who is for us and who isn't. On a practical note, we must learn to speak when God says speak and be still and says, until he says move. Use wisdom in how and when you share your visions, dreams, and your testimony. Unfortunately, among the spectators, there are those who are rooting for your failure. But that's not necessarily one of my points tonight. I just thought it was a good point to add. But back to the story. Once Joseph had, op had opened up to his brothers about these dreams, it only made them more envious of their brother Joseph. They began to scheme and conspire against him and look for ways to get Joseph out of the picture completely. It was only because of the grace of God and the words of Reuben that deterred their plans of killing Joseph. Instead, they cast Joseph into a pit, and at that same time there happened to be a company of Ishmaelites from Gilead passing by on their way to Egypt. In Genesis 37, 25 through 28, it says, and they sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels, bearing spicery, balm, and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, what profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brethren were content. Then there passed by Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph into Egypt. Now at this point, Joseph has just been betrayed by those closest to him. And he's on his way to a foreign land with people he doesn't know, not knowing whether he'll be alive the next day or not. He's a slave. He's been there. He's been through more in 17 years than most of us will go through in our entire lives. And yet, even though he's hit rock bottom, he continues to look at what's ahead of him and not what's behind him. As he now arrives to his home in Egypt, sorry, Joseph was then sold again, this time to Potiphar, the captain of the guard and an officer of Pharaoh. Pharaoh very early on saw that the Lord was with Joseph. The Bible says in Genesis 39, 1 through 6, and Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him out of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of the master of the Egyptian. 
And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his land. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him. And he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. And it came to pass from that time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. This brings me to my first point, if anyone's taking notes tonight, that Joseph didn't let his past define his future. Joseph very easily could have dwelled on what happened to him and what he had gone through, what his family had done to him, how unqualified it looked like he was, and ended his story right there at Joseph the slave. This is what Joseph could have been remembered for today if he had given up. So many times we fall prey to the idea of once was, always will be. That if I once did this, it's a part of me forever. And we condemn ourselves for something that if we've ever been baptized in Jesus' name, those things are under the blood and God's already forgot about them. So why do we continue to dwell on those things and push ourselves into unnecessary condemnation? Dwelling on your past is only hurting you, and it's simply delaying the plans that God has already has in store for you. I believe that God puts us through trials and allows us to go through things in order, for one, he tests our faithfulness to him. But two, he gives us a testimony through these. Not only for us to look back on and see how far he's brought us and realize that we couldn't have made it without him, but also for others to see. Others who may be in the exact same situation that we were. Our testimony gives them hope, seeing that God brought someone else through it so he can do the same for them. So don't dwell on your future or your past failures or mistakes, but also don't forget them. Your testimony could be the very thing that brings someone else out of their trial. My second point today, another characteristic of Joseph, is Joseph remained faithful. At this point in the story, everything is going pretty good for Joseph. He's the overseer of Potiphar's house. He was over everything that Potiphar had, and he was pretty well favored. All is well until Potiphar's wife decides to mess things up. Not once, but twice, she tries to tempt Joseph to lie with her, and both times he refuses. And she's not pleased with this, so she goes to tell the guards and her husband that Joseph was the one that tried to tempt her. This filled Potiphar with anger, and he immediately put Joseph into prison. And once again, Joseph is brought from the mountaintop to the valley. He is now in prison for a crime he didn't commit, yet he still remains faithful. And because of this, the Lord is there with him. It says in Genesis 39, 20 through 23, And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. While Joseph was in this prison, there happened to be two other men there as well, a butler and a baker. Both the butler and the baker had dreams in need of interpretation. Joseph interpreted these dreams exactly how they would later happen, and his only request of these two men was that when they were to be freed was, but remember me when it is well with you, and please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house, for indeed I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews, and also I have done nothing here that they should put me into the dungeon." The one request made by Joseph was that they wouldn't forget him, and they did just that. As soon as they were freed, not a word was mentioned of Joseph and of these dreams that he interpreted. He was left alone in a prison where he shouldn't have been in the first place. 
Two years later, Pharaoh began having dreams in need of interpretation, and this is when the butler remembers Joseph. Joseph is called out of the prison to interpret these dreams, and once again, he interprets them exactly how they later came to be, and he gives all glory to God. Throughout this entire process, from beginning to end, Joseph has remained faithful. Good times and bad, when he was sold into slavery, when he was made overseer of Potiphar's house, when he was thrown into prison, and when he was eventually released, he remained faithful. Anytime he was able to accomplish anything, he was able, no, I'm sorry. Anytime he was able to accomplish anything, he pointed right back to God. I believe this is why he gained favor with Pharaoh so quickly and why Pharaoh made him overseer of his home. Pharaoh saw how faithful Joseph was to his God, and he knew that Joseph would be faithful to him as well. We actually see back in Genesis 39 and 5, and it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian house for Joseph's sake. And the blessings of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. God blesses faithfulness. When you remain faithful, not only will you be blessed, but anything and everything surrounding you will be blessed as well. And although it's easy to be faithful when everything looks good and everything's going your way, the question is, how faithful are you when no one's looking? Are you faithful at 5 o'clock in the morning when God wakes you up and calls you to pray? Are you faithful when God asks you to sacrifice the $20 out of the $40 you have in your bank account and give it to the offering bucket. Joseph wasn't faithful because he was blessed. Joseph was blessed because he was faithful. Faithfulness takes sacrifice, but because of that sacrifice, we are blessed in return. And my third and final point tonight would be that Joseph forgave. After everything that Joseph had been through, being hated by his brothers, he was sold into slavery, falsely accused, and then imprisoned for a crime he didn't commit. How did he still come out of this prosperous? He forgave. He forgave those very people who wanted him dead, who sold him into slavery, the men that forgot about Joseph after all he did was help them, and the man that sent him to prison for something he didn't do. He forgave them. Matthew 6, 14 through 15 says, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You could be the most faithful person in the building tonight, but if you are harboring unforgiveness and bitterness, you are limiting what God can do in your life. Joseph had a choice to make, and so many times people say, I can't forgive this person. They've just done me so wrong, but Joseph had every reason under the sun not to forgive, but he made a choice to forgive, and for us, it's a choice tonight. So I know I haven't, spoke, I haven't been speaking very long, but I wonder if we could all stand across the room. I personally have never been cast into a pit by my brother uh, and left for dead, that I can remember at least, because I feel like that might happen. Um, but I've been through things. I think everyone in this place has been through something. We all have a story. I can't say that we don't have any Josephs in the room tonight because I simply don't know what we've all been through. But the biggest thing that you can take away from the story of Joseph is that he continually made the choice to forgive continually. And there was blessing in making that choice. So tonight, I wonder if all across the room, if we could just lift our hands and every eye closed, every hand raised, if we could just ask this simple prayer, God, search my heart, Jesus. God, if I'm harboring unforgiveness, if I'm, God, bitter, Lord, towards a certain person, I pray that you would, God, let that go far from me, Jesus. I pray right now, God, that if I'm dwelling on my past, if I'm living in my past, I pray that you would, Lord, allow me, God, to see, Lord, what's in my future, Jesus. 
I pray right now, God, over each and every person in this place tonight. God, whatever trait it is of Joseph's, Lord, I pray, God, that you would let those things into this place tonight, God, that we would be forgiving, Lord, that we would be trusting in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this place tonight. I give you praise and I give you honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why don't we entertain that presence of the Lord? Sister Sanchez is going to get ready to come and minister here in a moment. So proud of Brother and Sister Sanchez, these really young couple that have I've watched the Lord do so many great things in their life. I've watched the Lord use them and grow them, and they're, they're still hard to believe. They're still a very young couple, and they're very young in the Lord, but I know God's going to use them and continue to use them. They're doing such a great job, and tonight the spotlight's not on Brother Eric tonight. The spotlight's on Sister Carla. So we give her, we're going to give her the opportunity to come and minister the word. Come on, somebody say, Sister Carla, preach the word tonight. Amen. Thank you. I just want to give honor to Pastor and Brother Roberts and Sister Valerie. They've been doing an amazing job, like, investing in us and pouring out all their knowledge. And it's just a great honor to have great leadership to invest something so beautiful and wonderful in our lives. Um, if we can turn to Roman uh, chapter 8, and we're going to go to 15, and then we're going to go all the way down to 26 to 27. So, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage, again, of, again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And if we can go down to 26, likewise, the spirit also helpeth uh, our infirmities for we know not we should pray for as we are but the spirit itself make an intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered and he that searches the heart knoweth what is the mind of the spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God amen if we can just put raise our hands and just allow God to honor this word and and just pray over it Jesus, I declare, Lord God, whatever you have today, whatever teaching that is going to come out, Lord God, let there be fruit and let your word not come out and void. In Jesus' name I declare, Lord God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. In Jesus' name. So, um, you may be seated all. <laughs> I'm going to continue on with my lesson. Um, I was uh, pondering on whether to teach us or not, because I had three different topics, and it was so difficult because I was like, okay, the first one, I already have down my list. I have down what I'm going to say. And then I was just hitting a rock, and I was like, okay, well, clearly that's not what you want me to say, God. And I was like, okay, well, let me do the second topic that I've been, like, brewing in my little notebook and stuff. No, that didn't work, and I couldn't find scripture, and I couldn't find anything that correlated. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to throw it away. I'll just start from new. And um, I want to give thanks to my husband because he saw the frustration and he was like, just relax. And he put his hand over me and he started praying. He was like, God, just use her, calm her spirit, let your word flow out and so on. And I just want to thank, say thank you for that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, I'm just going to go back to the basis today. And the title of my little note here is the importance of prayer. I'm going to take it old school. We're going to go back to the basis, 101. 
And this came about um, because I was moving some books around in our office that we just started renovating. And I picked up this book, and it's one that my mom has donated to me, like, years ago that I was like, all right, I'll just, I'll get to it. I'll just put it away. And I decided to to open it up, and I was like, started reading, and the introduction was like like a kick in the face, and I was like, whoa, okay, way to catch our readers. And it's a, a book called Prayer by Timothy Keller, and it's the story how Timothy discovered prayer. He was diagnosed with thyroid cancer, and his wife, to her desperation, she urged him to do something that he has never done before, and that was to muster the self-discipline to do regularly, and that was prayer. She asked him to pray every night with her. And what kicked, you know, kicked me in the face, and I was like, whoa, is the illusion and the illustration that she wrote down, and he quoted, imagine you were diagnosed with such a lethal condition that the doctors told you that you would die within hours unless you took a particular medicine. A pill every night before going to sleep. Imagine that you were told you can never miss it or you will die. Now, can you ask your neighbor, would you forget? I don't think nobody would. <laughs> That's like the, the top. <laughs> would you not get around to it some, not, some nights and just like, oh, I'll, I'll do it tomorrow night. Or it'll be fine if I skip one day. No, it would be so crucial that you wouldn't forget. You would never miss it. Well, if we don't pray to God together, we're not going to make it because of all that we're facing. And that just, I was like, oh, God, okay. <laughs> and I know that in my personal life, I do struggle with prayer and, and consistent with it. And this really changed the perspective of prayer rather than being an option that we can do to a necessity that we have to do. And I just want to point out three main points about prayer. I know there's many, and I know there's, like, books upon it. There's like scripture and sermons and just classes about it. But I just want to point out three things today. First, prayer builds communion with God. And if we can go to Romans 8.15, just like we read in the beginning, is for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. God assures us of his love, and by we, we call him Abba, Father. The Spirit enables us to approach him and cry to him as God is our loving Father and build relationship with him. We have a direct access to him. We have the ability and the privilege that we're able to talk to him. He's not the same God as, as any other gods. They're like, oh, we have to pray this and nothing happens. He's a God that answers you right there and then. And if he doesn't, he confirms it that he will in the future. In Psalms 27, uh, 4 and 5, and I'm going to read from the Amplified Version, it says, One thing I've asked of the Lord, and that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, in his presence, and all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty, the delightful loveliness, and the majesty grandeur of the Lord, and to meditate in his temple. For in the days of trouble, he will hide me in his shelter. He will, in the secret place, he will tend me, and he will hide me, and he will lift me up on a rock. See, our God doesn't leave us helpful, helpless, sorry. He doesn't leave us alone. He doesn't abandon us. But because we have communion with us, he hears our cries. I don't know how personal that gets, but for him to hear our cries for the littlest things, it's, it's just amazing. And my second point is he helps us pray. 
When we cannot find the words to say, he helps us. Romans 8, 26 and 27, I'm going to read from the NIV. It says, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit itself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And, through, and he who searches our hearts know the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Now the Spirit of God is helping me in my weakness because I don't know what particular will God has in that particular situation. But not knowing the will of God is difficult and is often hard to pray because it doesn't make sense for us to pray if we're going against what God has to say. And I just want to give like a little testimony or a little keynote of what I've been in that situation. And um, it was a coworker of mine where I used to work at Chick-fil-A and she was going through a lot of stuff. And she came this particular night and she was like rough. Like you can tell that she was rough. Like that week like tore her up and it was like, all right, I'm not gonna talk to you because you seem, keep that over there. And I didn't say anything to her and I was like, okay, well God, I don't, I can tell that she's going through something, I'm just gonna leave it be. And it was closing to my shift where she sat down and then she laid everything open. She was talking about the financial burden that she was having, the situation with her um, other spouse that was going on that they were going through. And then one other thing that she couldn't handle was um, she sent her daughter to go with her biological father to you know spend the night or whatever. And her daughter came back crying because she witnessed her, her father beat her half-sister and beat her mom. And it was, I mean, sorry, his now wife. But it was something so traumatic for her. She was angry. She was enraged. She was... All these things were overwhelming her, and she was collapsed, like, to the point where she was physically sick. Like, she, her head was hurting. She was, like, sneezing, and she was, it was just rough. And I, I, in the situation, I didn't know what to say to her. I was like, what, what do you say to a person that, that's dealing with that? What, this is a lady much older than I am, like, in her 40s. Like, what do I, how do I help you? Like, I don't, and my mind went blank. Like, I, no scripture came to my mind, no word of encouragement. I was just like, I don't know. I, God, I, I don't know. Like, I felt so helpless in that moment because I couldn't help her. I couldn't give her a word. I couldn't say anything to her. And the only thing I remember is God telling me, well, do what you do best and just help. And so I told her, oh, well, if we get a rag and we put it on your head, you can at least, like, calm the fever down a little bit. And so we took a chair to the bathroom, and Chick-fil-A's bathroom, Mind you, it was still closed, so nobody, you know, nobody walked in, whatever. So we took a chair. I sat her down. I put the cold rag on her, and I was like, what now? Do you stay silent? I don't know. <laughs> but then I just, I heard God say, just pray. Just pray over her. I said, all right. And I told her, I was gonna, I'm going to lay my hands on your head, and I'm going to massage it, and we'll see what happens after that. She was like, okay. I was like, all right. We'll, we'll get ahead and do it. So I started doing it, and then I started praying over her situation, over what her daughter was going through, over what she was going through. And I started, you know, talking about, God, just you're in control at this point. Like, there, there's nothing in the world that has control but you. And I just started talking and speaking into that, to that problem. And slowly, she started tearing up, like, just streams running down. And I didn't say anything. I was just like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let it be. I'm going to let her cry. And it was just... It was a gentle 
cry where you can feel God releasing her, like God giving her peace. And I felt that in that small bathroom. It was awkward, but I felt the peace of God in that bathroom. And I was just like, God, you got it. Like, I couldn't do it, but I'm glad that you allowed me to be a vessel to be, to be used like that. And it ended and we cleaned up and I didn't speak a word of it and she didn't either. And we, I went home and she went back to work. And a couple of days later, I got really sick, like really sick where we thought we had, I had COVID and I was like, all right, great, way to go. But then she texted me out of nowhere and was like, oh my gosh, I just heard what happened. And I started pretty instantly for you because she said, to be honest with you, that day that you helped me on Friday, I was healed. Something happened. God did do something. Yeah. And then she said, if God could heal me, I know he's going to heal you. And this reminds me of one uh, Go conference that I went to, a Hispanic Go conference up in Beltsville with Bishop. And that was like three years ago. But he said something so important that it stuck with me. And he said, people are going to come, and they're going to come broken. They're going to come abused. They're going to come hurt. They're not going to smell like us. <laughs> they're not going to talk like us. They're not going to look like us. And you're not going to be able to help because there's no way you can be in that experience. There's no way for you to understand what that felt like unless you went through that. But God is able through prayer. God is able through his word. He's able through his spirit. As long as you allow God to use you, as long as you want to be used by God, it's going to work. Yeah. And we just have to do our part and trust in the ability of prayer. And he'll find the right words and the right scripture and the right everything to help in that situation. And I'm not going to keep you for too long, so I'm going to go down to my, my last point, And is the power of prayer is an extension of the greatness and glory of God in our lives. Um, Ephesians 6.18, and I'm going to read from the Amplified Version again, is with all prayer and petition, prayer with, significant, with specific prayers at all times on, on every occasion and in every season in the spirit, and which, in, and which this in view, stay alert with all preservation and petition, interceding prayer for all of God's people. And we see that today, like, we can see how um, in the book of Acts, Jesus taught his disciples to pray and then healing people with prayers and denouncing corruptions and casting out demons with prayers. And, and I've seen it. I, I don't know if Eric has told his testimony about his sister, but she was, she, I don't know what's going on, but she had a relationship and one of the girls that I guess, whatever guy that she was with, put a, um, like vexed her. And she put something on her, and literally we couldn't find the diagnosis. We went to we went to Washington. She had two blood fusions, and she's only at the time was 24 years old, and they couldn't understand why. And we we understood what was happening. We understood that something supernatural was occurring, and we we used to ask God, like, we're not capable of helping her. I'm not capable of helping her. That's something I've never experienced. That's something that I don't know how to help her with. And we will pray every night 
God, send somebody or send do something because this is out of our ability. And out of nowhere, Eric's mom was like, oh, yeah, your uncle from your dad's side is coming over from Connecticut. And we're like, okay, whatever. That's fine, I guess. But she was like, oh, he's the same religion as you. I was like, okay, that can mean anything, you know. That can be anything now. But he came, and then he's also Pentecostal, but his specialty was praying. His specialty and what he did was to pray demons out. And when he came over and he told Myra, he's like, I'm not going to do anything special. I'm not going to do anything, like, that you think that's going to be extravagant or out of the order. And he's like, I'm just going to pray for you. And so him and her by herself, she was on the couch, and he started praying. And then he said instantly, we weren't there, but he said instantly she let out a big blow of air and peace after that. And I believe revival's coming, church. I honestly believe revival's coming. And there's a lot of... um, there's a lot of things that in ourselves that we need to get ready before before we can harvest that revival because we can't harvest if we're not ready we can't harvest if we can't pray if we don't trust God and the ability to pray we have to go back to the basis and I just want to thank pastor and brother Roberts and sister Valerie for their the importance of prayer for Sunday morning prayer for Wednesday prayer for for Monday prayer for any type of day they have the ability they open up the church for prayer and if Unfortunately, the world doesn't see prayer as powerful. But we believe and we know that prayer is powerful. The supernatural happens when we pray. Healing happens when we pray. People are delivered and there's freedom when we pray. And the the only way we're going to see revival is when we start praying as a church for the ones. If we start praying that God deliver my community, it starts with prayer. And I just want to just remind the church the importance of prayer and the importance of why we do what we do and the importance of trusting God in our prayers as well. Um, If we can all, I'm coming to a close, if we can all stand up and I just want to challenge, if you're struggling with your prayer life and struggling with just praying, the altars are open. I mean, there's nothing special that you need to pray. There's not a, a list. There's not a scripture. There's nothing out of the ordinary. You just come and open yourself up to God. If you want to be used by God, He will. He will always. He will always use a willing vessel. And if we can just lift our hands and just allow God to His presence in this place, and just allow God, if if we're struggling, then God take a hold of that. In Jesus' name, God, I pray, Lord God, for every member of this church, Lord God, that we put an importance in prayer, that we go back to the basis, Lord God, that we have communion with you, Jesus, and then we trust you, Lord God, when we don't know what word and what situation or, or anything to say, Lord God, that we trust you in every moment. But God, that we trust that we're going to see revival and we're going to see your greatness display when we pray. Lord God, I pray in your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. I know there's a small crowd here tonight. Why don't we just gather in the front here for just a moment? I promise we won't keep you long, but as Sister Sanchez was talking, some things come to my mind and my spirit. You know, you can't give what you don't have. And if you're not comfortable praying in here, you're never going to be comfortable praying out there. 
Amen? Amen. And it should be our first reaction when something happens is to pray. Amen. The world teaches us the first reaction is to call the doctor or to call the police or to call the fire department. But I can call on the name of Jesus while I'm running to the phone. Amen. And we've got to, that's a habit that we've got to build and allow the Lord to do that. So in this atmosphere tonight, if you're here and you need prayer, Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait.